When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Friday morning to you as we welcome you along to Cork today. We've got John Paul and we've got Sadie taking your calls at 1850-333-103. And we were already welcoming your texts and WhatsApps this morning to 0862-103-103. Golf Gate as it's been affectionately called, are one of the tabloid papers uh, put it this morning. I think it was the Star uh, Party blooper. Goodness me, where do we begin on this one? Uh, And obviously a lot of anger out there when people heard about this Oroctus Golfing Society. And that's fine. Lots of people have golfing societies. There's nothing wrong with that. But we are in the middle of a pandemic. And in light of updated public health guidance that came out this week and announced that if you're having a gathering inside, you can have no more than six people at it. They can come from no more than three households. And that got introduced on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, lo and behold, the Oroctus Golfing Society decide to still go ahead. And this is an event that obviously would have been planned in advance. I accept that. But they decided to still go go ahead with the event. And it was to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Oroctus Golf Society. And it was held at, I've never heard of this hotel before, but it's the Station House Hotel in Clifton in Galway. And I think it was 81, I know 82 were due to attend. But I think the figure going around one person obviously had the sense to decide best not go but 81 people attended and there was a host of sitting TDs sitting senators the now former agriculture minister Dara Killeary he resigned this morning also there was the EU trade commissioner Phil Hogan who'd flown in from Brussels do I take it did he also breach quarantine rules even though he'll say he didn't because as a member as a politician he doesn't have to do the quarantining but he was there uh, as well and locally of course from Cork as soon as I heard this story you start to look and see who's there from Cork and the only one that I can see from Cork is the Fine Gael Senator Jerry Bottomer who literally in the last few minutes has tendered his resignation he was the uh, last Coherlock of the Senate but he has because we've put a number now we've had Jerry Bottomer many many times on this programme and I know John Paul this morning put a number of calls 
and sent text messages uh, to him but uh, Jerry Bottomer hasn't responded to any of them but then he has since now decided to resign as Las Cohirlach and a lot of people are saying that that resignations are what needed to be offered I mean Derek Killeary was the first I do have a copy of Derek Killeary's this was his resignation letter to the Taoiseach and he did, did say at the start that further to our conversation last night I've reflected on my position in government overnight so do we take it from that that Hall Martin asked him to reflect on his position and then he tended his resignation as Minister for Agriculture. That's the second Minister for Agriculture and the government is in place two months now and they've already lost two Ministers for Agriculture. Can I start the campaign uh, to bring back the former Minister for Agriculture, Michael Creed? Is Michael Creed doing anything at the moment? Would you like to go back into the office and take over as a Minister for Agriculture? I mean, it's crazy to think that we're going to have a third Minister for agriculture in a little over two months of a new government. Okay, some of your comments already coming in. Everyone at that golf jolly says Meg should resign. It's an insult to us and to all of our medical personnel. Meg says just here in the news that Jerry Bottomer has resigned. He has. In relation to the agriculture minister, says another texter, any other minister that went to this event should resign. The hotel in question are also very much at fault. Everybody broke COVID restrictions. Most of us are trying to abide by these rules and we're trying to save lives. Why should they get away with this? They're not thinking of hospitals. They're not thinking of people in nursing homes when they were partying. It's a disgrace. I wonder, does anybody else agree? I think a lot of people agree. But I don't know, in fairness, when you're saying any other minister should resign, I don't think there was any other ministers there. Derek Killeary seems to be the only senior government minister who was at the event, which also really annoyed me because he would have been at that cabinet meeting on Tuesday. He would have been there when they discussed the Neffert recommendation to limit indoor gatherings up to that point. You could have an indoor gathering with 50 people. And then Neffert said, spread of the virus, it's out in the community, it's spreading too fast, we need to do something, let's limit the indoor gatherings, let's try to stop the house parties, let's try to stop any kind of organised events. And they said, so you keep it to six. And yet they still went ahead with it. But even if you allow for that this golfing, the Oireachtas Golf Society event was planned months in in advance, they would have been planned at a time when you were only allowed to have 50 people at it. You know, what part of having 82 people at it, did they think was okay? And I know the hotel has come out and said that they had a partition. They had them divided by this partition. They'd 45 on one side and 36 or something on the on the other side. And, you know, I, I really do think the hotel in question here has a case to answer um, uh, as well because... As I say, sticking with the original plan, they should only have had uh, 50. But as I say, they divided it up. Now, they say it wasn't, and I quote this from the hotel, it's not a Mickey Mouse partition. It's a proper physical structure that divides two rooms, but it can be removed. Um, sorry, that, that doesn't, not when you look and hear of so many other people cancelling weddings, cancelling christenings, cancelling First Holy Communions, confirmations, 
look at the amount of families that couldn't even have a get together after a funeral because they were limited on these numbers. It really, really is absolutely a galling. John in Clonakilty says, Patricia, on the resigning of Dara Killeary and now we're just hearing in the last few minutes, Jerry Bottomer, the rest should do the right thing and go. You can see why young people are jumping up on bars in Dublin. Don't do as I say. Don't do as I do. Do as I say, country. That's from John in uh, Clonakilty. And some of your WhatsApps in. Hi, Patricia. Let's see where the leadership is now. Will Leo and Michael just fire all of those who were at that event with no pensions, especially Phil Hogan, flying in from Brussels to attend. Our country has been run, says this texture, by Muppets. And unfortunately, that's the calibre of politicians out there. Could we not fire the lot of them and put one representative from each country, county to run the country. I wonder where were all the expensive advisors on this one. Come on Leo and Michael, we now need you to show leadership. I think they, the lot of them should be uh, dumped. Well we're hearing of people resigning but even when they resign, your call that they resign and that they walk away with no pension. I think you can dream on on that one. We have seen so many people resign in the past, but nobody walks away without a nice pension for sure. And in fairness, these the both Derek Cleary and Jerry Bushman, when they say they're resigning, Derek Cleary remains on as a TD and Jerry Bushman remains on as a senator. They're just resigning the positions uh, that they are holding. And Heidi says, Morning Patricia, can you believe that this was the minister, i.e. Derek Cleary, now former Minister for Agriculture, that I emailed about cruelty to dogs and cats as well as cruelty to all other animals and now I see he has to resign par for the course was that deliberate little bit of a golfing pun put in there uh, Heidi 1850-333-103 and Jim is saying surely Michael Moynihan should get the Ministry for Agriculture now being a farmer he would be well qualified for the job they might but then he might not want to take what now seems to be a poisoned chalice at this stage says Jim well yeah and it looks like it's a Fianna Fáil position he certainly would be up for the job we might put a call through to Michael Moynihan and see would he take the job of Minister for Agriculture if Micheál Martin decides to uh, to pick up the phone today and call him 1850 and can I just comment on another TD just to clarify something that came up yesterday on the programme, John Paul says he had a couple of calls and then John Paul was monitoring our Facebook page last night and he noticed some people were trying to put up comments about this particular Fianna Fáil doll deputy and it is Christopher O'Sullivan down in West Cork. There was people contacting us saying why was Christopher Christopher O'Sullivan not present in Skibbereen yesterday when his party leader and the Taoiseach of our country Micheál Martin visited the town and he was there you probably saw him on the news he was there visiting the areas that had been flooded you know and offering support to the businesses some of the businesses absolutely decimated by the floods from the night before and Christopher O'Sullivan wasn't there and normally when something like that happens you'll have all of the local TDs and politicians and senators and councillors I saw Tim Lumbert for example in the background of some of the shots but there was no sign of Christopher O'Sullivan and some people were intimating to us that Christopher O'Sullivan was out of the country so we heard about that and I said to John Paul ring Christopher straight away if he's out of the country you'll know by his mobile phone because it'll make a funny sound so we got through to Christopher O'Sullivan who did by the way take our call immediately and he said he is in no way out of 
the country. He is on holidays. He's having a staycation. He's in Carrick on Shannon. He was unable to get to Skibbereen in time for the Taoiseach's visits yesterday uh, morning. But while he was in Carrick and Shannon, even though he was on his staycation, he was speaking with Micheál Martin and others in government uh, in the help of trying to get some help for those who have been affected by the flooding in Skibbereen and in Roscarbury and in other parts of West Cork. And he actually was in Roscarbury in Glandor last week and he is visiting Skibbereen today. And actually, I already saw some photographs he's uh, tweeted and put up on social media earlier today. So he's very much out and about in, in West Cork. So just to clarify that for people who were starting to spread rumours that he was out of the country. He's not. Christopher O'Sullivan was on his staycation in Carrick and Shannon. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. When Ita is in Kentucky, I'm totally disappointed with our politicians. Weddings, parties, etc. have all been cancelled. While politicians feel it's okay for them to go ahead and have a golf society party, they should all resign from their positions. And Ita wants to know did Phil Hogan quarantine? I don't, I don't know. Um, and I don't think he had to because didn't we have that before when Mihol Martin went out of the country and came back? Isn't there a different rule for politicians on business? that they don't have to when they're out of the country because they're out of the country representing Ireland that they don't have to quarantine. I'm sure there's a different rule for them which will annoy a number of other people as well. Mary says we need to have another election. Oh God, Mary, do we need another election? Because the people running the country seem to have no idea what they are doing. Margaret says they're only resigning from their major jobs. They're still getting paid. Micheál Martin's party seems to be falling by the wayside. Uh, They seem to be just as bad as Trump's party, says uh, Margaret. Eddie says the judge that was at the golf meeting, he should also resign. Eddie also feels Phil Hogan should go... Hi, Patricia. Resigning is not good enough. They should be stripped of their pensions. That would fix them. Resigning is only a cop-out. Mag says they all broke the rules and yet we are expected to sit at home and not to celebrate any anything. Someone else says they all need to go immediately. No pensions or anything like that. Hi, Patricia. If it was you or me and we disobeyed the rules, wouldn't we be dismissed? A golfing do? Come on, during a pandemic... I'm not even going to the shops. Absolutely disgraceful, says somebody else. I will never take any notice of anything they tell me to do again. And I won't expect anybody else to uh, either. And that's the one thing that I fear when something like this happens. People then will start breaching all of the guidelines and the regulations and saying, well, if they can, they can do it. Why can't we? 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Lines are very busy, by the way, so do bear with us. You can text or WhatsApp 086 to 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 to 103 103. I can certainly see it from the calls and texts that we're getting in this morning that fury is mounting after it emerged that the now former Agriculture Minister Dara Killeary along with a range of TDs and Senators attended a social event with 80 people at a Clifton Hotel on Wednesday. That was the day after it was announced that no formal or informal event events or parties should be held and no more than six people should meet indoors made up uh, from three households. Michael Mulcahy who runs an events business here in Cork uh, joins me. 
Oh, he was there and now he's gone. Okay, we'll get uh, Michael back on the uh, line. Marianne says, we are absolutely disheartened with Micheál Martin. Someone in power needs to do something with Micheál Martin as Artishak. I feel he's giving mixed messages. I also feel he's weak. Did anybody see him when he was accosted by the teacher in West Cork uh, yesterday? Somebody needs to do something about him, says uh, Marianne. And actually, we tried to find if we could find that teacher. She seems to be from Dublin or County Dublin uh, and a K I know was the only name and I don't know whether uh, she was holidaying she's holidaying in West Cork I don't know if she just happened to be in town and saw him and went over or whether she deliberately went down and went into town to meet him or not I don't know Michael Mulca I'm told uh, is now on the line Good morning Michael Good morning My apologies there uh, we lost you Fury anger disappointment what words sum up how you felt when you heard about this event? Well, I think there's two things here. One, it certainly is my own view, but I think the overriding view throughout the nation uh, last night and this morning is something I haven't witnessed in, I'd say, 40 years. The fury that people have with this situation, it's something I think really that uh, should never have happened, and it's something that should, could and should have been avoided. From my own point of view, as somebody in the events industry, it really is a a wholly unacceptable situation to put the citizens of the country in. For our leaders, and whether they're, you know, serving members of government or political parties or the judiciary or any other sector of Irish society, for those people to go to an event like this, knowing full well, because I cannot and will not accept that people who went to this event um, didn't know that it was going to be a larger event than public guidelines would allow. I think for a lot of those people, they have to ask themselves the question, do they represent what the people of Ireland have suffered in the last six months? My answer to that is they certainly don't. That's a really good point. And Joan, one of our listeners, also makes another point. Uh, You know, when the argument is, oh, we booked this event months in advance when we were allowed to have 50 people and the hotel is defending the 82 by saying that they had a partition uh, between the two groups. But Joan is saying that if if you were going ahead with a wedding of 50 people, that has to include the staff and the band and everybody else. It can't be 50 invited guests. No, it can't. And and again, you know, the, the hotel in question will have to answer more fully um, their own explanation on this. They're saying they relied on the Irish Hotel Federation for guidance. They're saying that they, just the fact that the new guidelines that the government issued were essentially six people are allowed at an indoor event, just because that has not been sanctioned in law they decided that the old rules of up to 50 people would suffice. Um, That may very well be the case in law, but in practice, that should not have been the case at that event, and that's why we're seeing resignations today. The government made a rule. It's not effective in law, but effectively, those people who are part of our government and those people who made the rules need to abide by them, whether it's in law at the moment or not. Are are resignations enough? Well, you know, again, we've seen, as I understand it, two resignations so far. Um, I, I understand that there is a very senior politician considering 
um, a position at the moment, and I'm sure we will know within the next couple of hours whether that ends in a resignation or not. Um, sometimes, and, and you know, again, we all have to hold our hands up with errors of judgment, and we've heard this this term, errors of judgment. I, I certainly have made many errors of judgment in my career, but an error of judgment to me is something that you do on the spur of the moment and something that you did not give careful thought to. These are not errors of judgment. They were premeditated as to the fact that those people went to this particular event. They knew about it a day, a week, longer in advance, and they knew the rules. So whether resignations are enough or not, that's down, I believe, to Eamon Ryan, Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar. And they need to be decisive on this because either we're going to bring the people continuously with us over the next six months of this journey or 12 months, however long more uh, the pandemic is going to be with us before a vaccine is found. And if they're not decisive in this, they will lose the full support of the people. And I I would suggest that they will lose it within the next 24 hours if they're not decisive. Yeah, because what really got to me about Dara Kiliri, he is a senior or was a senior government minister. He would have been at that cabinet meeting on Tuesday when the decision was made and then obviously got into uh, a car either Tuesday evening or Wednesday morning and headed to Clifton. Bizarre, absolutely bizarre. I think it is bizarre, and I think it, it, it is, as he has said himself, you know, an unacceptable situation to put the people of Ireland into. And, and certainly he has, he has uh, resigned. Is that good enough? Um, yes, we all make mistakes, as I've said. Yes, there are errors of judgment. But unfortunately, this is something more than this. This is a premeditated decision on behalf of people. I see we have the chief executive of the Banking Federation who's listed on the guest list and who attended. You know, and there's three guests listed after his name. Were they chief executives of the banks or were they other people? I don't know that, but we need clarity as to who exactly attended this event. Okay, stay there because I want to bring in uh, Councillor Des Cahill is on the other line uh, from Fine Gael Councillor in the in the city. Good morning to you, Des. Morning, Alan. Um, Apologise if, if the line is a bit windy. I'm actually on the marina just looking at tree damage. So. OK, but, and thank you. That's important work you're doing as well. Um, your initial reaction, Des, when you heard about this event? To be honest, I thought somebody was trying to wind me up. I, I, I you know, I, I'm just astounded that, that it actually went ahead. Um, as a result, I suppose my phone and my, you know, direct messaging, all sorts of stuff, you know, started hopping and listening to your callers as well. I mean, there's palpable anger out there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just astounded it went ahead and I'm astounded it was attended. Um, I mean, everyone's, we're all having to make different, we're all having to make choices, we're all having to make sacrifices. Um, and I, I, I just, I'm a bit, I'm aghast with it, to be honest. Do you think it's totally indefensible? There's absolutely nothing anyone who attended can say that could defend it? Well, I suppose particularly those who, who are, you know, elected to public office. I mean, because, you know, people elected, like I said, were held to a higher standard. Um, I think it is unacceptable, frankly, if I'm being honest uh, and being truthful about it. So it's harsh, but I think, I think it is. And I think it's very difficult for people to understand how this could have happened. Um, it undermines a lot of the good work that a lot of publicly elected people do. And it undermines a lot of, of all the hard work that everyone else is trying to to do to grapple with this virus and to grapple with the changes of everything that we've all had to put up with 
Um, so frankly, I do find it untenable. And you say you're getting a lot of calls and texts from people, yeah. a lot of very angry people out there, Jess. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, it started late last night and it, it came and this morning, um, you know, because I mean, you know, we're all spending our time grasping at the rules, explaining the rules, assisting people. I mean, both city and council councils are doing everything they can between grants, et cetera, et cetera. And then when something like this happens, it, it you know, it takes away from from everyone else who's making who's making the effort. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's just really shocking and just um, at a loss, really. But I think it's it's you know, hard decisions are going to have to be made today. Okay. okay, all right. And a lot of people will agree with you, Des. Thank you for that. I'll let you get back to your work. Thank you uh, for taking our call. That is Councillor Des Cahill, uh, Ifine Gael City uh, Councillor. Um, uh, Michael, I, I think Des is right. I mean, to f- what happens in the next 24 hours and what decisions are made by party leaders is going to be really important, isn't it? I think it is, and I, I, I think what Des has said is something that I'm sure would be echoed by every politician at local, national and European level in this country today. That the sense of betrayal that there is amongst the people as a result of what has taken place, and whether, you know, the people that attended, you know, we, we know them, we know Jerry Bottomer, we know them to be good people. We know Dara Kaliri to be a, 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 an, an excellent politician, but they have made a very serious lapse in their own personal judgment in attending that event. Um, I, I, I just think Michal Martin, Leverecker and Eamon Ryan have a decision to make today as to how they restore public confidence. Mm. If we haven't got public confidence in the institution of government, then we're going to have something like anarchy in the country because people have taken six months of making very hard decisions, six months of not being able to do the things that we've all taken for granted in our lifetime, and and things like funerals and weddings, which are very personal things to families. They've had to be set aside by so many people. And then we find that our elected representatives or those people in Leinster House who organise this event are allowed to do something that is completely contrary to the message of government and to the public spirit that we are all adopting at the moment. Um, it needs decisive action. And we have a Taoiseach who should not be indecisive today. He needs to be decisive. He needs to restore public confidence to the people. Well said, well said. I heard a man um, earlier, you know, talk about his mother passed away during the lockdown and he'd seen her once in the three months before she died. And, you know, his yes. grief was palpable. And he said, yet th- these group of, you know, so-called elected, re- so-called intelligent elected representatives can think it's OK to all go out and celebrate a 50th anniversary of a golfing society. Yep. It's just, it, it's galling. Your business, Michael, was one of the first to cease trading when the pandemic hit. And, and I take it it'll be one of the last to reopen. Yeah, well, what we've had to do, we have two businesses. One is events and one is our digital news site. So we've, we've had to essentially close the events business until such time um, as the pandemic has passed. And again, that's, you know, putting a business into hibernation uh, for whatever length of time. You have all your costs that are there with that business because we're not closing the business down. We want to be able to restore the business as soon as it's safe to run events. But if I did what was done in, in the west of Ireland um, this week and ran an event, 
then I would be prosecuted by the Gardaí mm. for doing something like that. And I would have to answer to the people whose public safety I would have put in jeopardy. So I'm not sure that I see any difference between whoever is responsible, whether it's Tony Cassidy or whoever the president of that golfing society is, who made the ultimate decision to go ahead with that event. I'm not sure that I see any difference in where the Gardaí should be brought into this. And again, that's where the thesis is going to have to be decisive. Does he refer this to a higher authority? And does he ask that recommendations be made that whoever is responsible for this particular event should be held accountable? But for my own business, um, I'm looking at losses this year of about 250,000 euros. We have some of our staff who are receiving special pandemic payment. We're lucky to be supported by the state in all of that. But we're not breaching the law. Mm. We're, we're not flouting the law. We're abiding by it like the vast majority of, of our fellow citizens. Yeah, as hard as it is. As hard as, as hard, it is. As hard as it is. And we're <sighs> making the best of it. But when you see people, as you've said, who have lost loved ones and who have had to make that ultimate sacrifice of not being able to say a farewell to them, and yet we have people uh, on that particular guest list whose names are public on social media now, I would expect no less than a public apology from every one of those people to the citizens of Ireland within the next 24 hours. Okay, listen, Michael, we leave it there. Look after yourselves and, uh, and thanks Thank a million for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Michael Mulca, who runs an event business uh, here in Cork. And actually, I should have said at the outset as well, when we were started to talk about this particular topic, can I say well done to Aoife Moore and Paul Hosford. They are the two Cork Examiner journalists, uh, or Irish Examiner journalists, as the paper's called now, who broke this uh, story uh, this morning and, and well done uh, to them. It was a great piece of work and only for them. We may never have found out that this event actually went on. So kudos to Eva Moore and to Paul Hosford. And it again proves, I'm constantly banging on about this, the reason why we all need to buy and support paper so that we can continue to have journalists like that uh, producing great work. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Thank you to Tim pointing out when people are talking about the fact that Phil Hogan was at the um, the golfing night out. Uh, he's the EU Trade Commissioner and he travelled over from Brussels. Some people were saying, why did he not need to uh, self-isolate? Uh, Phil Hogan's daily residence is outside the country and uh, politicians are exempt from isolation regulations when going to and from different countries. And that was how Micheál Martin was able to travel. That's how Micheál Martin was able to travel abroad and come back and he was able to attend, even though he had COVID-19 test tests tests done and I'm assuming Phil Hogan had a COVID-19 test done as well and Tim making the same point that Dara was part of that cabinet meeting which discussed the new regulations and that's kind of annoying so uh, many people. I'm looking for John, he is on uh, line four. Can I just tell you when we were talking with Michael Mulcahy Michael Mulcahy was making the point at the end of my chat with Michael saying you know do the guy that you not need 
do, do the Gardaí not need to get involved here? And does, you know, Mio Martin is the Taoiseach or Leo Varadkar or Eamon Ryan, party leaders, do they not need to call in the Gardaí to say, excuse me, can you take a look at this? This was an event that shouldn't have taken place. This was an event where only six people should have been attend- attended. Are they breaching COVID-19 guidelines? Well, we've just been told that the Gardaí, and I don't know who's instigated this, but the Gar- Garda investigation is underway into the event that was held for alleged bre- breaches of uh, the COVID-19 regulations. We will follow that with interest. John Magner is a Fine Gael member and, uh, in North Cork and John joins me. Good morning to you, John. Morning, Patricia. Uh, are you very annoyed this morning about the carry-on at this event? I'm appalled, Patricia. Because I think uh, this was legislators who uh, uh, partook in something like this and they were advising the rest of us uh, to behave ourselves and then they come along and they do something like this. Uh, there's no excuse for it. And I think like that, uh, my belief is that Jory Bottomer has resigned as less young, uh, less career look of the, the Senate, and rightly so. But I think like um, at the way uh, this whole thing is is developing, I mean, there seems to be one law for politicians and another law for the rest of us. And I mean, what message is this sending out to young people? And I know initially Dara Cleary was defending it, saying it was a function that he had committed to a number of weeks ago and that it was organised at a time when you were allowed to have 50 people. But as Joan Joan pointed out, that was 50 people, including all the hotel staff and how 50 turned into 82. I I still can't understand that. But do you take that as no defence? Well, it was something that was organised before the rules were changed. No. They're legislators, Patricia, and I can't overemphasize that. They make the rules that the rest of us have to follow, and they did not follow the rules that they were setting down for the rest of us. And remember, they were proposing to give the guards more power so that the rest of the ordinary citizens uh, would be um, uh, taken to task by the, the, the guards for want of a better word and yet there's other very legislators that can't obey the rules that they're proposing for the rest of us. Yeah, young people are getting a lot of bashing about having house parties. I mean, this is, there was, you know, 80 people all together, you know, there's house parties with less than 80 at it and yet everybody seems to be citing house parties. Nobody's citing a golfing event. Sean Fleming, the, t- the TD in Leash has tweeted, he thinks the Oireachtas Golf Society should be disbanded immediately. He's asking the Count Corla to take step, to take whatever steps are necessary. Would you like well, to see the Oireachtas Golf Society being disbanded? Well, uh, from my information is this event was organised a month ago. Why didn't they disband it then rather than uh, uh, doing it now? I mean, their attitude seems to be do it but don't get caught. Mm. And I think like this, uh, I will stick to my line that legislators should not be breaking the laws that they're proposing to enact for the rest of us. I mean, this is a very serious pandemic. It's killing people and there's no cure for us. Are you pleased to see that what we're now hearing that the Gardaí are, the investigation is underway to see if they've breached any of the COVID-19 regulations? Are you happy to see that? Yes, I am. But I'm, I'll have to wait and I'll have to wait and see. Uh, uh, like I think, like I mean, the, uh, Phil Hogan also has questions to answer because uh, his excuses, like he was at a table uh, of six. No. Who's to prove that he was at an event that he shouldn't have been at? And remember, if he was in Brussels, that's not one of the green countries, and that adds to it. 
Yeah, but as a politician, he's exempt. He's he's different to you or I. I mean, really? Yeah, yeah. There are there are different rules for politicians traveling in between countries, and he, even though his daily residence is outside of the country, the politicians are exempt from the isolation regulations. And that I I can never quite understand that because how coronavirus is going to know you're a politician? Sure, I won't go near you, so I leave you alone. That one, that's one I have to say, really does not sit with me at all. Well, I mean, if, if politicians make laws, they can break the laws. They make themselves so, you're telling me it. Yeah, well, that's it. It does look like it. It does look like it. And I actually saw, uh, somebody tweeted this earlier. I saw the sit down. It was a sit down event for 82 uh, people. And it they had up to 10 per table. I saw, you know, the way they had the table plan. Um, but there was on the if it went by this the original t- you know the way you see a table plan at a wedding there was uh-huh. ten there was ten people at, at every table at a time when you weren't allowed to have more than six at any one table so there's there does seem to be a lot of breaches of uh, different COVID guidelines we'll wait and see what happens okay listen John thank you for that look after yourself and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. 1850 at 333-103. Huge amount of commentary coming in. We will do our best to get through all of your texts and WhatsApps and comments and and we appreciate them. Um, Thank you to each and everyone who's making contact with us this morning. But John, it's a heartbreaking call from John. John lost his uh, wife uh, at 53 earlier this year and his two daughters couldn't come home from abroad for the funeral because of COVID-19. And now John says, seeing politicians flouting the laws, it's absolutely gut-wrenching, says John. We couldn't even have a proper funeral for his lovely wife. And yes, politicians can go around and float and and, uh, flout any of the laws that they want. Isn't that just dreadful? Dreadful. Uh, And how tough, John, for you, but how tough on your two daughters as well, not to be able to come home and have a proper funeral to say goodbye to their much-loved mother. It's just heartbreaking. Hope you're doing okay, John. Hang in there. Uh, 1850-333-103. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. Okay, lots and lots of uh, calls and texts coming in. Some brilliant commentary coming in, by the way, guys. Some of you are really bringing your A-game today. Uh, Anna is so upset over all of this. She's been cocooning since March. She said she's absolutely furious to think these politicians can just think it's okay to head off to Galway, break all of the rules. They should all resign. And she feels if the hotel is found to to be, they need to be investigated uh, to see if they are guilty for breaching the COVID-19 rules and regulations. Column says, I'm red in the face with anger. The mad, this madness has spread. We need a new election. They do not seem to be capable of running the country. There was 81 at it. That's not counting in all of the staff. Do not say to... did. Did one of them not at any stage during the course of the evening turn around to the other one and say, are we allowed to all be in this room together, all sitting beside each other? Colm says, at the end of the day, they're intelligent uh, people. Now we have a few of them resigning, but that's no punishment at all. They should all be fired. And Colm is another one of a large group of people who are contacting us saying, we need another election. Is But do we, do we really, really want to go down that route of another election? People are, are, are saying we do. 
Jerry says if we had proper leaders of the party, they would all be kicked out of their parties. They'll still get their wages. They'll still get their pensions. We're not getting any real leadership. And Mary says this government has truly lost the run of itself. It doesn't matter which party they are in. It reminds me of Marie Antoinette. Let the peasants eat cake. They haven't a clue what's happening. And it's been like that since the beginning of uh, COVID-19. They're throwing money at everything and all of their advisors. I wonder what kind of advice the advisors are giving to each other. And uh, John says, if you have a wedding of 50 people, it must, oh, that's the, the same point that lots of people are making that it needs to include uh, the staff. I want to go to uh, Michael Donovan, who's chair of the Cork branch of the Vintners Federation of Ireland, who we'd invited to join us coincidentally on the programme just to, uh, to talk about the future of the three and a half thousand family run pubs, which of course still remain closed. Good morning to you, Michael. Morning, Patricia. Uh, but I have to ask you, what are your views on Golfgate? Well, look, I suppose uh, we've been public officials and, look, I suppose the Cabinet, unless it's sitting out the guidelines, it's disappointing to see that uh, their own, I suppose, representatives couldn't follow the such guidelines. Um, I suppose here in Cork, we have a very uh, strong golf society belonging to the Vinters Federation and we would play 16, 18 events throughout the year and I think back in April we took a decision to cancel our golf society up to September and even in September we have a I suppose a high profile uh, day out uh, the Cork Republicans played at Dublin Republicans up until Kenny and um, even two weeks ago we took the decision to cancel that well done on, on, well on done foot of the guidelines so if we can follow the guidelines I think I think our public representatives really should be in a position to follow the guidelines as well but galling when you see you can have that many people all sit down together and yet your members can't open their pubs, particularly the smaller pubs, who wouldn't even have 80 people on a good night inside in them. Yeah, look, the vast majority of the pubs that are still closed are small family-run businesses, no more so than my own. And um, to see events like this going ahead, um, look, I think it's it's... It's really disappointing. Um, we're following the guidelines. We're adhering to what government is asking us to do by staying closed. But yes, they can go off and have these events and, I suppose, break the, the guidelines. I know there's been resignations this morning, but uh, it should never have come to that. It should never have happened. Are you still hopeful for white smoke on the 31st of August? Um, I Look, Patricia, as we sit here this morning, it looks my my head is saying, yes, I'm hopeful, but I think my heart is saying, you know, we've seen the numbers, we've seen, I suppose, the PUP payment for um, for the people extended to the 17th of September. And I think, look, if I was to put one and one together, I think we're, we're probably looking sometime around the 17th of September, considering the current guidelines are in place until the 13th of September. I think I would find it hard to believe that they're going to give us the green light and to open on the 31st of August. Um, and like I think, as I've said before, uh, if that is the scenario, we really need to support packets because I'm afraid by the time we get to September, a lot of publicans may be considering other options uh, um, because the financial burden that they've had now, at that stage, to be over six months closed, um, it'll be very hard for a lot of publicans to survive without any financial support for their commercial premises. And your members, Michael, just want the chance to open and prove that you can do it safely. Yes, look, we, we've, 
I suppose <clears throat> the letter the the letter from Nefes to the cabinet uh, two weeks ago um, outlines what Nefes are suggesting for guidelines for pubs that are still closed. Um, we we've all seen the guidelines. We all have an appreciation of what's in them. So look, um, I think if we were given the opportunity, we could show that we can follow those guidelines. Um, it will be very difficult, but look, at least we would be given the opportunity. Um, but at the moment, they're not even giving us that opportunity. Yeah, it, 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 it really is hard. And there's, there's another point, I think, that maybe is lost on a number of people. A lot of publicans, and a lot of them will be your members, Michael, are men and women over the age of 66. And they're, yes. they're not receiving the COVID-19 payments. No, they're not. Um, part of the government's COVID payment plan was it was really for people aged 18 to 66. Um, but you're right, a lot of our members um, would be over 66 and at present they have to survive on their uh, pension that they've paid into all their lives. Um, a lot of them have their own houses to run and then they also have to pay say, their insurance, their their um, their electrical bill, their broadband in their premises. So they have outgoings for say their two households and if you're trying to do that on your old age or your, you know, your pension. Impossible. Um, it's impossible. It, 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 it's very hard. So they're dipping into their, I suppose, their 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 savings from all their life, which was, I suppose, to assist them at this age of their life. And a lot of them for the last five months have been really, um, you know, running that down. So we're, we're asking the government really to examine that. And look, most of these people all have VAT numbers. They've paid PRSI for their staff. And we're saying, surely they can have a system where they can examine if somebody has a VAT number and pay, paid uh, their PRSI for staff, that they could just top up that payment to bring it level, their, their pension payment, to bring it level with the COVID payment uh, to give these people a, a break and to, to give them a chance. Mm-hmm. Mm. And of course, a lot of the members as well are operating family-run pubs. So it's more than one person in the family has been affected by the closure yeah. of the pub. Uh, absolutely. Look, <laughs> in my scenario, I can speak of this. Like both my parents are in the bar, and I'm in the bar, so it's it's two households. Look, I have I have my wife and three kids, and like it's um, my my mother and father are have theirs. So it's uh, the bar su- uh, supports many livelihoods out of each individual bar and many households. So like it's it's look it's spread across the community. There's a lot of staff that works in bars as well, and they have their own families. So. It, it does have a knock-on effect. But there's 25,000 people at the moment uh, unemployed uh, through the bars being closed, 3,500 bars. So it's a, it, it is a big number. Yeah. OK, we'll speak again, uh, Michael, in the meantime. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you, Michael O'Donovan there, who is chair of the Cork branch of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. Dan uh, says 1978 was known as the year of the three popes. Remember that? We had uh, Pope Paul the Sixth. We John Paul the First and then we John Paul the Second. Dan says 2020 will be known as the year of three agricultural ministers. We had Michael Creed, Barry Cowan, Derry Cleary and counting says uh, Dan and someone else points out that if you take the holidays out of Dara Kaliri as Minister for Agriculture his time in office lasted just 20 days is that one of the shortest terms as a minister I wonder some more of your text surely politicians are allowed oh this is on Phil Hogan being allowed to travel outside of the country because he's a politician and he doesn't have to quarantine somebody says surely politicians are allowed to travel for work 
only. Surely that that rule can't be in place if they're coming to party because at the end of the day coming to a golf society do you are going to party. Someone else says on the golf dinner this do as I say not as I do it smacks of Charlie Hawhey's era of politics. Remember Charlie Hawhey coming on the TV telling us all to tighten our purse strings while he was buying silk shirts when they're called Carvey shirts. And he was rented, renting private dining rooms and private planes. It's a slap in the face to the ordinary people of Ireland, says this texture. Maura says, is this a typical thing in Ireland? The guest list for this event was all big wigs. Surely politicians and bankers have always been above the law and the rest of us, the ordinary citizens, we must abide by all of the rules and regulations. John in Mill Street says, good morning. Well, isn't this a blast from the past? A, bul- a bunch of well-to-do politicians breaking all of their own guidelines and treating themselves to a big dinner and a day out on the golf course. I wonder who was paying for all of this, says John. I'm furious to see a second agricultural minister been forced to resign in just a few months. I'm awaiting a felling licence for a private plantation and I've been waiting on it since March of 2019. And the Department of Forestry, which happens to be under the Department of Agriculture, can't even at this stage give me a guess when this situation of a licence will be sorted. 17 months awaiting action from a department who clearly have other important businesses business to deal with, like organising a golfing trip and a dinner in the middle of a pandemic. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Says a very, very frustrated John in at Mill Street. Thanks, uh, John. I can 
feel and sense your frustration. Christy, Patricia, I've been listening to different politicians this morning saying that Dara Kaliri has done the right thing in resigning. The reality is that all the politicians present should immediately resign from political life, not just from the positions they hold, but from political life. Nothing else, according to Christie, would be acceptable under the present circumstances. They should be leading by example when they expect the rest of us to conform to the recent mixed messages that they've already been sending out. Dara threw his toys out of the pram when he was not originally appointed a senior portfolio. They all showed contempt for the rest of us. There needs to be more repercussions for all who were present. I'm not a fan of Fina Gale, but Leo Varadkar was correct when he said that putting Fina Fall back into power is akin to bringing back John Delaney in charge of the FAI. We need an election. People need to wake up and see untrustworthy politicians that they have supported in the past. What happened in Clifton borders on criminality based on present rules and how can they police house parties if severe consequences do not follow after this and we're being told that there is a Garda investigation we'll have to wait and see somebody's wondering where were the Gardaí and but should the Gardaí it was during the week they're not policing every single they do their best to get around to premises but it seems to be on the weekend that they are going in to make sure that everyone's abiding by the rules and the regulations but uh, listener is wondering why, why didn't the Gardaí call in I suppose they didn't know the event was going on and the listener is also, also wants to know where is Mary Lou I don't know if Mary Lou has commented or not on this particular issue it's, other people are saying by the way when, when there's a shout from some of our listeners to have another election Not everybody is happy, by the way, with another election. People are saying election is not the way to go. Hi, Patricia. Micheál Martin will have a way out of this. Like everything else, he'll blame Sinn Féin. Wait and see. That's from Pat. Madge says, if an apology can beat the virus, wouldn't that be great? Ger says, a guard investigation will give them an excuse for not commenting until the investigation is over. It's a good move for them, says Ger. He feels it's been very smart. Somebody else says, Patricia, the guard, won't investigate anything. That's all hot air. It's up to the people to investigate what's happening in what's in this awful rotten country sorry now Patricia that's my uh, opinion but I really do not feel those that are in power at the moment are fit to gov- govern and please get Michael Healy Ray on the radio I would be interested in his opinion on this as another listener okay that's just some of and, and I can see page after page after page of text message and whatsapps and comments uh, coming in and most of them starting with I'm furious I'm so anger um, angry people are really really annoyed by this 1850 Sadie and John Paul are taking your calls text or whatsapp 0862 103 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed. C103 Jobs. Preschool assistant is required. That's for Fremont QQI Level 5 in childcare and two years experience is needed. A secretary slash veterinary nurse that's required to work in Canturk. While healthcare assistants uh, with QQI Level 5 are required for Maria Goretti Nursing Home. That's in Kilmallock. And a front of house supervisor is wanted to work in Mallow. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. 
Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now we will get back to the whole issue of Golfgate and I've just been handed a statement as well from the Clifton Station House Hotel where the event took place and I will get to that but I want to move to a different uh, issue because men in Ireland can consume their weekly low risk guideline limit of alcohol for less than eight euro while for women it'll cost less than a fiver. That's according to the annual off-trade review by Alcohol Action Ireland, the charity that advocates for reducing alcohol harm in this country. Joining me from Alcohol Action Ireland is Dr Joe Barry. Good morning to you, Joe. Hello, Patricia. Uh, you're, and you're welcome to the programme. I think some people will be shocked by these figures. I mean, these prices, for even for teenagers, can be pocket money prices. Yeah, there. I mean, I think there's the reason I suppose we're taking this very seriously, Patricia, and we have done for about 10 years, is there's a huge potential benefit to our society if this minimum pricing comes in, because the aim is to is to get rid of very, very cheap, and I say very, very cheap, strong drink for two groups of people. One is teenagers who really buy alcohol for pocket money prices, uh, and also people who are alcohol dependent, who... who like to get their will get their hands on very cheap drink if they where they can because they can have more. So for for those two population groups, it's very important that we make things a little bit safer for them. Um, and we have been advocating for that, and the Department of Health has since 2012. The Houses of the Oireachtas brought in a bill in 20, in the department brought in a bill in 2015, which took three years before the Dáil and the Shannon approved it because there was intense lobbying against it. But it is now the law of the land since October 2018. But it has to be what they call commenced. In other words, the government has to say, OK, from such and such a date, it will come in. And we're appealing to Michal Martin, the new Taoiseach, who did a lot of good work, and I was involved in it on the tobacco legislation 50 years ago, to do this uh, the, to do this work in relation to alcohol. It, it is a very simple administrative task now because the law of the land says it should happen and it's up to the government to pick the starting date. And we're yeah. asking him now and Stephen Donnelly to name a starting date because we have seen, particularly with COVID, that there has been a big increase in home drinking. And that may stay permanently now, depending on what happens with the pubs. Uh, and, of course, it's, this won't affect at all pub prices. And, in fact, the publicans would be quite happy to see MUP coming in. And I think the vast majority of the population... Uh, would want this to come in because there is no doubt that we have a problem in this country with how we drink and this is one of the most effective measures which has been brought in in other countries and works. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, minimum unit pricing, we, as you say, we have been discussing it since 2012 and, and there was, you're right, there was very intense lobbying. Uh, but I have no understanding of when they got to October of 2018 and then they said, right, this is it, this is what we're going to do. What, what has been the delay since October of 2018? I mean, we're nearly coming up to that being two years ago. Well, like they have brought in other parts of the Act already and there's more planned, but they have put it on minimum pricing. Now, when the, the, the government's ideal is to have it done in the two sides of Ireland, north and south at the same time. Yeah. The north have are, are going to be doing consultations. I think we need to just get on with it. It's not going to cause cross-border collapse in shopping because it's it's not just about alcohol that people around the border you know swapping where they where they buy stuff um but it's too big an issue now to wait too long 
Um, and two years have gone past. I mean, obviously, for the last two years, for, well, for a year of it, there was no government in the north of Ireland, which didn't help. Um, uh, but I think we owe it now to the people of the part of Ireland that is run by our government to bring this measure in. As I said, in COVID has shown up big problems, mm. domestic drinking, uh, and, uh, you know... Uh, do you worry October. about do you worry about the amount of domestic drinking that's going on? Well, I think yes, I think it is problematic. I mean, I think the pubs have, have been hammered. Uh, I think a pub is a safer place to drink because there's more regulation, and also, of course, drink is a lot dearer in pubs. It's hugely dearer than than these twenty four slabs of of beer for for very little money. I mean, it is a problem. Uh, and the different agencies that work with people who are living with uh, domestic uh, violence and who have experienced it, or who, and children who have to witness it. You know, there are lots of uh, victims of how people drink in Ireland that are hidden because there's shame and there's stigma and there's fear. And it, it is really not acceptable that this measure, which fought its way through the House of Bureaucracy for three years, on the statute books and hasn't been commenced. And again, this is an opportunity. This is a job for the government. It's not for the doll. It's not for the public. It's the government have to make this decision. And I hope God knows they need to do some things that are going to work well because they're under huge pressure for lots of reasons now that we're not going to go into. But this <laughs> and is and there, is also, there is also worldwide evidence, isn't there, uh, Joe, is, yeah. that reducing the price of alcohol reduces consumption. It does, uh, and there's uh, there's evidence from British Columbia, from uh, Australia, uh, from Scotland in terms of reducing emergency department admissions, uh, reducing deaths, um, and uh, reducing consumption. Uh, we're not trying to stop. I drink myself. We're not trying to stop people drinking. We're not trying to stop people enjoying themselves. We're trying. This is a targeted measure that uh, we we believe will have an impact on two groups of very vulnerable citizens of our country, young people and people who are alcohol dependent. And if you're alcohol dependent, you know, you, you do need external help to, to lessen your drinking. And if you're a young person, you need external things done to limit your chances to, of, of, of drinking. And, and again, there's, there's lots of evidence of, of, of youngsters. It's not just to blame me. But, you know, people, anybody will say, oh, yeah, that's a very cheap product. I'll buy that. Alcohol is a slightly more harmful product than bread or cheese or milk or other stuff that we buy. Uh, and uh, it's not appropriate that this very, very cheap drink is being used by the big supermarkets as what we call a loss leader to get us all into their shops. You see those huge numbers of ads for cheap drink in, in the newspapers. And uh, it's really time. Uh, there's been a lot of work done to get this uh, act uh, enacted and signed by the president and we're now actively pursuing the government uh, in particular the minister for health Stephen Donnelly and the Taoiseach Michal Martin they can do this okay. and they should do it and it's, only, it's only a matter of signing off uh, on it all the hard work has already been done yes okay listen Joe thank you for that we appreciate you taking our call this morning you're welcome. Good morning to you. That is uh, Dr. Joe Barry uh, joining us from Alcohol Action Ireland on that, their annual review showing just how 
little you have to spend in order to reach your weekly risk. The amount of alcohol it's 17 units for men and 11 for a, a women. 1850 By the way I got John Paul to put a call through to a Cork Northwest adult deputy for Fianna Fáil, uh, Michael Moynihan because somebody suggested now that there's a position in the Department of Agri- Agriculture somebody's and I jokingly said bring back Michael Crete um, in, in the same constituency is Michael Moynihan from Fianna, from Fianna Fáil and somebody said Michael Moynihan would make a great Minister for Agriculture and it seems to be a Fianna Fáil portfolio so somebody straight away said put Michael, Michael Moynihan forward for Minister for Agriculture so we said we'd put a call to to see had, you know, what's, he, what's his thinking has he had any phone calls is he in the running could he be considered anyway John Paul spoke to him and Michael Boyden said it hasn't even entered his head this morning uh, about the possibility that he could be offered the job of Agriculture Minister but he did say that he feels sick to the stomach this morning uh, hearing what he's hearing as to what happened in Clifton at the uh, he's obviously not part of the Oireachtas uh, Golfing Society because he wasn't there himself and he said but he's sickened by it because he said especially when everybody else is being so careful and then he said we can have a group of people uh, who do this so he, he really is sickened but he hasn't even thought about becoming Minister for Agriculture. And Margaret in Charleville said she's more vicious today than Storm Ellen was the other evening. She said, these people are telling us what to do and then they can go ahead and do what they like. Barry Cowan was sacked. Dara was like a child looking for a position and then when he does get it, he can do uh, this and carry on like this. She is vicious about it all. And by the way, the Clifton Station House Hotel have issued a statement. They can confirm that they hosted the Oireachtas Golf Society for two nights. They were there Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. The first night, the members of the Oireachtas Golf Society made their own dinner arrangements. But on the Wednesday, the hotel catered for 81 people, they say, in two completely separate dining rooms. They split them, 45 in one room and 36 in the other room. They believe they were totally compliant with the guidelines and above board in everything that we did. We liaised with the Irish Hotels Federation prior to this and we were advised to ensure that we had no more than 50 in each room at any one time. We would never, they say, try to exceed the guidelines. We wouldn't do anything to jeopardise the hotel or the people dining. This is not something we take lightly. End of statement. And that's from the Clifton Station House Hotel. 1850-333-103. Sadie and John Paul continue to take your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now last week I chatted with two West Cork friends who had just started a cycling tour of the coastline of Ireland and hoping in the process to raise funds for two very worthwhile causes. The local West Cork rapid response and the wonderful Pieta House. We promised that we would catch up with them again and they both uh, join me. Joe McCarthy and Sean Gordon. Good morning to you folks. Hello, uh, uh, how are you doing? You're in Donegal, I believe. We are, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This morning. Okay, what's the weather like? It's um, showery today. Like it's a lot better today than the last couple of days. Darmelon kind of she made herself known to us, but um, we're just sitting up in a bay now in a field here in Donegal. And anyway, how talk to me about Storm Ellen? Did you cycle through it? We did. We did. So uh, we made a push that day. We were from Galway and um, went out through Connemara and up to towards Castlebar area. 
and that was that was a tough call. And that was a long day. Now that was just over 120k. But I mean, it was tough with the winds and everything like that. And Joe decided to try and get punctures in every county in Ireland yeah. as well. <laughs> so that's lots of yeah. I decided my new hobby is to just try and get a puncture everywhere I can. Um, front wheel, back wheel, it doesn't matter. I'll take anything. <laughs> See, Joe, that was going to be one of my questions, Joe. Any malfunctions with the bikes? So yeah, it's um, it's is it punctures is the main one for you? Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, we've been meaning to since we left Ross. We've been meaning to watch a YouTube video on how to change a, a bike tire, but we never really got around to it. And of course, we only started to watch it then once it actually burst. And um, Simon from YouTube, in fairness, he did his best to, to train us up, but we were quite a while lear- yeah. getting through it. We're yeah. slow learners, but um, uh, the first one was always going to be the slowest. And, uh, <laughs> so you have the puncture repair kits with you? Yeah, we do, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> now, at the end of Storm Ellen, I've been, I've been watching you online. Um, uh, Joe, you had, a, you, you had a comfortable overnight stay that night. Was it that uh, night? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was the day of the big push. But um, we were like, oh, definitely worth it. We were staying in the Briefy House Hotel and they were very good to us, in fairness. And um, so we, we arrived there around nine o'clock and they were still out. We got... Only went down for dinner at about 10, but they still had food ready. Well so, done, well done. Yeah. And Sean, where have you been staying on other nights? You're not, you're not always getting hotel accommodation along oh, the way. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> I mean, um, we're trying to camp a bit. So we stayed on in a year one night camping. But then uh, another night we were stuck into a, in a cattle shed. There's a <laughs> thunderstorm coming in. So we're just thinking like, well, where can we stay? Like, And uh, in fairness, there's a fellow out in Kilkee and Clare, Dara. Uh, let us stay in the cattle shed tonight. I mean, not my best night's sleep at all. <laughs> Rather generous of the man. Yeah. <laughs> but then yeah. I suppose he didn't know the two E from Adam. No, he didn't at all. No. Um, that night as well, Sean. Sean got a bit of an awakening. Um, there was. I just woke up to the feeling that someone, something was watching me. I opened my eyes. There's a big sheepdog towering over Sean, about to lick. <laughs> all around him. So I just woke up to Joe screaming. Get out, get out. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking out completely. <laughs> <laughs> and Sean, how are the bodies doing? Um, they're not too bad now. My, I've got a dodgy enough knee, so that was kind of acting up for a few days, kind of after, around Clare area. But um, rested up for a day and uh, it's much better now. And the legs are all right though, to be fair, surprisingly. And the rear ends? Um, tender (laughs) (laughs) see we have to explain to people who maybe didn't hear the first chat that I had with uh, Sean and uh, Joe Uh, Joe you're not known for cycling either of you Uh, no far far from it Um, we would have done a bit of running alright so we're we're not that badly off but uh, the whole uh, cycling was a whole new venture and we didn't know how the legs would hold up but um, so far so good anyway Yeah, your your fish. That's the main thing. Okay, outside of Cork, which is the most most beautiful county in Ireland, what are the most scenic parts, or have you been able to enjoy the scenery on the way, Sean? Yeah, I mean it's been really beautiful. Actually, really enjoyed. We went out to the Aran Islands and stayed there a night, and that was spectacular. Actually, really enjoyed that. Um, just camped out there, and the weather held up, which was nice. Always a plus. And Cliffs of Moher as well were stunning. Really, really nice. Had you just, had you seen them before? Oh, years ago. Years, years ago, ago, yeah. I, mean, I, was, I was very so I couldn't even remember them. But they were they were class. Yeah, really, really good. Enjoyed that. And all up through Clare, actually, we stuck out really rural roads, and it was it was nice. The barn was quite nice as well. Like, oh yeah, so so 
isolated, very rural, like, but um, great roads for cycling, like, um, in fairness to the Healy Rays and Kerry as well, they, they, the, the roads, they are good. Like. <laughs> we can all do with Healy Ray roads for, for sure. And actually, I was thinking of it during the week because there was a piece in the paper, there's talk of organising a greenway, a cycling greenway that would run all around the country. And I was thinking, somebody must be following Joe and Sean's idea, <laughs> which would be brilliant. It would be, it, it, it would be brilliant. Uh, have you both managed to keep up to date with the flooding back home? Yeah, yeah, we've um, we were actually haunted the first week because we were looking at videos from home. We were like, "God, they're they're going to get really tough back at home." But we we just we were very lucky. We avoided rain really until um until in a sheer, and then um, all right, we we got a good bit of it in this week, but that was kind of deserved, I suppose. Yeah. But um, yeah, God, Skibreen and Ross especially now seems to have gotten an awful hard doing. Incredible, incredible. And if things aren't tough enough with, with it without the uh, flooding. Now, I'm hoping this works uh, phone line wise. I have two ladies on the line that want to have a word with you. Are you up for that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we've got Jill, uh, Sean's yeah. mammy, and we've got Imelda, Joe's mammy. I've lo- no, I've lost, I've lost Jill. If I can get Jill back on the line there, John Paul, I've got it. I've got Imelda. Imelda, are you there? Yeah, hi Patricia. How are you? You're Joe's mammy. Yeah, I'm Joe's mammy. Okay, are you? Are they in daily contact with you? They are. Yeah, they are. They are doing very well. I can't believe they're in Donegal already, and they seem to be making great progress. So, uh, really well done, because as they said, they're not experienced cyclists at all. So we feel they're they're doing really good. And you've been following them, seeing the photographs online, and all of that. Oh yeah, following the blogs, yeah, and uh, and delighted with their fundraising because they're two really good charities, you know, West Cork Rapid Response and Pieta House do such good work. Yeah, I lo- I checked in on it yesterday, and it was um it was over four thousand. Yeah, it's over four thousand. Yeah, and then the, yeah, it's fantastic, really fantastic. And uh, Jill, are 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 Imelda, are you missing? Are you missing Joe? Oh, of course, yeah, but we're part of the backup team here, I suppose. So, you know, we try to get them off safely and get them off to a good start. And then, you know, they're, I suppose they're on their own now, but they're doing really well. They're big boys, though. They're big boys. They're post-grads now. So okay, I, do, I have Jill, I'm told, on the other line. Uh, hi, Jill. Hi, dear Patricia. This, How are you doing? I'm not too bad. This is Sean's mammy. Do you want to say hello to Sean? <laughs> I do. Hey, Sean, this is a bit of a surprise for you. <laughs> you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> now, Jill, is Sean ringing home every day to to check in? <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Sean, you have a little pop, yeah? I know. Because <laughs> Imelda, Imelda's on the other line saying Joe was ringing in every day. Oh, well, look, we might have to swap some. I'm I'm hiding Sean's phone charger up here. (laughs) So, To be honest, I've been following the blogs and things that they've been putting on the GoFundMe page, which are really good fun to read. They're they're, they're brilliant. You you must be very proud. Oh, so proud. But, you know, something, not surprised, because these two are, are pretty amazing. They really are. When they put their mind to something, they do it. I mean... It's all a little bit lastminute.com, you know, <laughs> yeah. what Joe was saying about, you know, when, when they actually learn to do a puncture is when the puncture's actually already happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> but, um, no, that, they're super. And, and the amount of money that's flooding in for them is just... It's brilliant. Oh, so proud of them. Really am. And as Imelda was saying, it's hard to believe that they're in Donegal already. I no, 
know, I know. I mean, geez, in a car you'd be thinking twice about it. <laughs> they're in a hurry, wouldn't you? And they're doing it all with their two legs. <laughs> Joe and, and Joe, how long? When do you expect to be home? How long more do you have? Uh, <laughs> um, we're, we're hoping to be home now. It's under the six is kind of the the date we have in mind. Um, yeah, so Eris not too far away either. Okay, and Imelda, you'll have dinner ready, will you, when they come when they come home? <laughs> oh, it'll be a great celebration. They will. <laughs> and I suggest an empty washing machine. I'm assuming you're not. <laughs> I'm assuming. Are you keeping up to date with the washing boys? <laughs> trying to. <laughs> Yeah. Well, listen, you're, you're a credit to both your families and I can sense the pride in both, the, in both, listen to both the mammies. The GoFundMe page is doing the loop. It's in two extremely worthwhile causes. And I know the West Cork Rapids response were on to me the last time to wish you all the best because they are so, so proud of you. Uh, the best of luck. Uh, keep peddling. Keep safe. And uh, Sean, ring your mother. <laughs> uh, and we'll talk again soon okay sure. God bless take care bye 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 that is Joe McCarthy and Sean Gordon from the hills of Donegal along with their mammies uh, Jill and Imelda joining us in West Cork 1850 333 103 and the latest in on Golf Gate statement in from Leo Varadkar he says in recognition of the seriousness of this matter I've removed the party whip from Senators Jerry Buttermore Paddy Burke and John Cummins Senator Buttermore Moore has already uh, resigned his position as the last Kionkorlok of the Shannon. So the party whip has been uh, removed and that's just in from uh, Leo Varadkar. And Phil Hogan has also tweeted to say prior to the event he had complied fully with the government's quarantine requirements. He's actually been in Ireland since late July. So he said he did comply with the quarantine uh, requirements and he also says the only reason he attended the Iraq Scott Society dinner on Wednesday was on the clear understanding that the organisers and the hotel concerned um, had that the arrangements put in place were compliant with the government's guidelines. That's the latest tweet from Phil Hogan. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. This is maddening to read this. This is in from uh, Sheila. And Sheila is pondering, why should honest people pay house insurance? Sheila has a story to tell us. She had a, she filled her freezer for cocooning. She said, our power is out since Wednesday evening. Remember, there are still people without power. So all the food in the freezer, gone, destroyed, it's melted, it's ruined. I rang my insurance company to claim €150 Euro worth of food that was in the freezer. I tried, says Sheila, to keep it as low as possible. I was told, yes, that's fine, you do have freezer insurance, but by claiming the €150, Euro, I was told my next year's policy will go up by €100. Euro. Where is the justice in that, says Sheila? I live in a disability allowance and €150 Euro mightn't sound lot to many people but Sheila said it's an awful lot to me I would have been better off to lie and claimed that I had a thousand euro worth of food inside in the freezer isn't that really galling that is just insurance companies no matter and you can't survive without it and no matter what way you turn they always seem to win don't they you never seem to be able to win unless you're completely one of those scam artists who constantly sues but for genuine people and Sheila you've probably never claimed I hardly ever claimed from your house insurance before. It, it really, really is a galling. My heart goes out to you. Thank you for your text to 0862103103. And the madness that is going on in this country, particularly with Golfgate, which has really got people so annoyed. 
I was talking to John Paul there and, and Sadie will back this up as well. I don't think we've had a topic that has infuriated people so much as this particular story. It's just incredible the amount of people that have been contacting us uh, today. Let me give you a sample of some of the calls and texts uh, in Finbar says Patricia this surely is the worst government we've ever had. How do you think elderly people says Finbar are feeling today? Uh, they're the ones who have cocooned. They're the ones that have abided by all the rules and regulations and yet they can see government ministers and TDs and senators and people who should know better flouting all of the laws. The sooner we have an election, the better, says uh, Finbar. Tim says, with regards to the attendance at the party celebrations at the Clifton Golf Dinner, this is an untenable situation for all those who attended, including the judge. Not alone should they resign, but they should not be in receipt of a state pension. These people, regardless of their status, cannot flout the law or ignore the rules and regulations applicable to the rest of us. I've worked all my life. I'm now 65 and a half years old and I cannot receive a state pension. And this makes me very angry. The situation needs to be acted upon quickly by this government or the danger is they will lose complete confidence of the Irish people and that to me would be a big worry as well as some Tim and y'all. Thanks uh, Tim, stay safe. Mary Lou MacDonald should be in charge, says another uh, texter. I'm not into politics but she wouldn't have put up with any of this, says this uh, texter. This whole thing, this is from Dimpton and Cork, this whole, whole thing smacks of the Galway tent. It's that carry on all over again. To think it was organised by people who should be setting a good example. I'm in lockdown, says Dimpton since March. I have no family around me, all on my own, and we seem to have no leaders. It's CJ Hawhey all over again. Meg said, let's give the two fingers to them and have a new election. Uh, Andy in Bandon says, Patricia, you should play a special request for all the members of the Oireachtas, especially those who attended the other night. Banana Republic. Banana Republic from Boont... Bob Gelder from the Boontown Rats from Andy in Bandon. Someone else says they should get a massive fine, hit them in the pockets. That's the only way. Someone else says, no, we don't need another election. Why? Because we'll only get more of the same thing. People who get into politics and they only want to look after number one. And then, not Tim and Yaw, but a different Tim says, I was listening in passing about the event in the hotel in Clifton and there was some reference paid to honouring uh, Mark Killalay. OK, and now I can tell you, I'll stop down there from your, your comment. It was, the event was organised by the president of the Oireachtas Golfing Society and it's the former Fianna Fáil TD, Donny Cassidy and it was honouring Galway man and former Fianna Fáil MEP Mark Killalay who died in 2018 and actually Mr Killalay's family were in attendance at the event so besides it being a golf society outing it was to honour and to remember Mark Killalay so that's what Tim is referencing he said the Killalays are a deeply rooted political Fianna Fáil family in County Galway along with the Kits Mark Killalay having been a senator and an MEP. Mark's brother, Matt, was a Garda superintendent in East Cork about 25 years ago and he was not one for dinners. He was one for getting the job done without any fuss. By the way, says Tim, a great contribution this morning from Michael Mulcahy, who joined us earlier on. Thank you for that, uh, Tim. Uh, Patricia, this is an absolute disgrace. It's typical of Fianna Fáil and the carry-on. They allowed this golf event to go uh, ahead. Uh, Yet, what about people who were suffering because AA meetings have been cancelled they should always have been considered essential services and actually we had some calls in yesterday about the AA meetings as well and from what I could gather when I did some research yesterday afternoon they were allowed to continue but they can only have six 
they're caught with this six indoor uh, event. Now, I don't know how many typically attends an AA meeting, but they're allowed to go ahead with just a six. But I know a number of people who rely on AA are, were, were really worried when the news came out on Tuesday night that there couldn't be any gatherings indoors of over 15 uh, people. Someone said, I'm furious about this particular story after all I've suffered and I can't even go to my local pub for a pint. Really annoying. Someone else says, Michal Martin should go. He's lurching from one disaster to another. Yesterday in Skibbereen, the teacher who challenged Michal Martin had travelled from Dublin to speak to him face to face. Her query was, if the plans in place to reopen schools and keep them open won't be enough, for example, if there's outbreaks of COVID-19, she asked Michal Martin, do you have a plan B? He wasn't able to answer. And of course, there isn't a plan B. The only plan B would be total lockdown. Uh, no faith in Micheál Martin. I've always said COVID would test the mettle of Micheál Martin and co. And thank you to a number of people who pointed out that that lady, who that teacher who confronted Micheál Martin, she is originally from Skibbereen. She does teach in Dublin. Kay McCarthy, I believe, uh, is her name. She's a native of, of the town, but she lives in Dublin and she's back in Skibbereen for the summer. That's why she happened to be in town and that's why she uh, challenged him. Uh, morning, Patricia. The politicians are resigning, but would they still? But they'll still be getting their ministerial pensions. It's disgraceful. The amount of people are saying that that their salary should be removed, including another text that says, "Take the salaries off the lot, lot of them. That will hurt uh, them." Another says, "Simple answer, Patricia. We've a two-tier society. That's a fact, and that has come in from uh, Pat." And someone else says, "Phil Hogan." is uh, the the same man, Phil Hogan, is the one, remember, who said he'd follow people to the grave. God, I'd forgotten that comment. You remember Phil Hogan said that? That was at the time of the water charges, remember? And he said at the time when the water charges were in and people were refusing to pay it, he said that if somebody died and they hadn't paid their water charges, they'd go after the estate and they'd follow them to the grave. And that caused, God, I remember that caused so much upset at uh, the time. Uh, Audrey said, I agree with Michael Donovan, who spoke with you on behalf of publicans and the fact that publicans over the age of 66 can't claim, can't claim the COVID-19 350 euro payment. Audrey is in the same position. She says, I am out of work as a taxi driver. I also can't get, get the pandemic payment because I have a pension. Yet, I am a full-time taxi driver and I'm not able to get the COVID payment. It really is unfair. Thanks for that, Audrey. Hi, Patricia. All our politicians need to get back to work and back to work now. They need to start focusing on returning this country around. There will be plenty of time to party later, says a text and a tweet in from a Corkman listening to us in uh, Germany. Oh my God, what is going on there with politicians and this golf gate in Galway? Everyone who attended that should retire or be sacked without pay and pension. I also question the hotel who ran the uh, event. If you were meant to have only six at the event, then it should have been only six. Mary, what about Mary Lou? Where is she at the moment? Don't have faith in Leo and Michael. They seem to have lost it. And then they're bringing in guidelines for schools, which are due to open next uh, week. It's all of a bit of a joke. Sorry, I am sick of hearing what the government are doing and how they're doing it so bad. And bring back Tony Houlihan. Everyone listened to him. Stay safe. And that's from a man in uh, Galway. And of course, we can't, you're not the first to say bring back Tony Houlihan, but Tony Houlihan has much more important things to do, concentrating on his wife and on his uh, family. And I hope you're doing well to that Corkman listening to us in Germany. Uh, the 
the girls in Mallow want to know is the driving bingo going on in the GAA in Mallow on Sunday I'm sure I saw that during the week that it has been that has been cancelled. That's certainly one of the ones to be cancelled. Some of them are going ahead and some of them, and I don't know how that's actually working, but certainly some of them are going uh, ahead, including, could you give a mention to the drive-in bingo in Aragon Community Field next Sunday at three o'clock. Uh, they're doing it under strict COVID-19 rules. So some of the drive-in bingos are going ahead, but the one in Mallow GAA, I certainly saw during the week that that has been cancelled. Uh, if anybody wants to tell me differently, please do. 1850 The C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie now one that has been cancelled and this is to comply with the latest COVID-19 guidelines the drive-in bingo in the car park of St Mary's GAA club grounds in Enniskeen that was due to be held this evening that has been uh, postponed and as part of National Heritage Week in Mitchellstown, a free guided family history walking tour will be held tomorrow. It starts from Clongibbon Hotel and lasts for two hours. Check-in is at 11.45 and if you'd like to book a slot, please do 87 And the Timaleek Drive-In Bingo, due to be held in the community field on Sunday, that has also been cancelled. But Chapel Hill School of Art in McCroom, they're having an open day on August the 29th. That's Saturday week, tomorrow week, one o'clock in the afternoon. They will have free kids workshops as well as many other artistic attractions. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And I've just spotted a WhatsApp in asking me to wish a very special little lady a happy birthday. It's Ms. Maisie McGorty from NAD. Happy birthday to you Maisie from your sister Annabelle who's aged four and your brother Sam who's aged three. I just don't know what age you are but you're having a birthday today and I'm told everybody's involved in baking a cake for Maisie. Uh, Paula on to tell me all about it. Happy birthday to you. Maisie McGorty in NAD. And someone else is pointing out to me when people are talking about them getting ministerial pensions. They won't get a ministerial pension. They're not in the job long enough. Well, that would be for Dara Killeary, the Minister for Agriculture for uh, sure. And then when we heard about Sheila, poor old Sheila, who's lost all the meat in her freezer and when she's applied to her insurance, which she's entitled to do because she has freezer insurance, she said she would go for the lowest amount. She wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't fleece them. She wasn't going to try and scam that she had half a cow inside in the freezer, for example. So she only looked for €150 Euro and they said, fine, yeah, you're covered for that. But they're going to give her the 150 but they're going to take it back in the other hand because they told her her premium will go up by 100 euro uh, next year. Uh, Jim said, I heard you talk about the meat in the freezer. I heard the story this morning from a neighbour about an uncle who passed away yesterday and his freezer had given up and when they went to check the freezer all the meat was starting to thaw out and not being able to refreeze it again. Do you know what he did, says Jim? They called round to all the neighbours and they divided out the meat between them. Wasn't that great? That's a, that, Yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping maybe Sheila did something like that as well just to, so that the meat, the food doesn't go to waste but Sheila's big issue is certainly to do with what has happened to her to the fact of the insurance company. It just seems very mean-spirited indeed. And thank you, Paula's back on to tell me Maisie's all of one today. So she's probably unaware that we're even talking about her on the radio. Happy birthday, Maisie, one uh, today. Hi, Patricia. TDs. Oh, this is interesting when we're talking about Golfgate and all of that, what's went on. The TDs won't sit in the doll. You know, they went to the convention centre and was it €25,000 a week 
to hire the convention centre so that they can remember they could all socially distance in the run up to the doll before they once we had it all back in June and then for the few weeks that they were in before they went away their summer holidays do you remember that and they wouldn't all sit because they wouldn't be able to socially distance and there was the danger that they'd pass if one got COVID-19 they might pass it on to the other so these are the same TDs and senators who wouldn't sit in the doll but yet they'll sit in a hotel and they'll have a meal and they'll have a few drinks, says this texter. All meat factories are being hit by COVID-19. If five meat factory workers decided to go to a party with 80 people and then came back into work and infected the whole plant, uh, it's the workers we'd all be complaining about and they were the ones that would be uh, wrong. This texter feels that Micheál Martin should be firing all 80 of the people. Get rid of all of them. That's what needs to be done. And then on a different issue, and this is to do with the children going back to school next week and school buses. Patricia, in connection with school buses, there are a lot of empty bus airing buses. Driving routes empty. Why? Because people have been advised not to use public transport. Why can those buses not be used as for school buses and get the children back to school. And we know and we've discussed this during the week that children on secondary school pupils on board school buses have been told that they'll have to socially distance, which wasn't part of the original plan, but never changed their mind and said, no, they're going to have to socially distance the same way as you do on the public buses, which means that all of the school buses now will have to operate at just 50% capacity. But the Department of Education, they've come out and they have confirmed that it will implement social distancing on the school buses. But there's a bus in it. It's going to be phased in. They say where possible, they'll start the term off with buses for second level pupils at 50% capacity. Uh, and then, but... They're, they're, but they're accepting and saying that it won't happen on all services immediately. The Transport Minister, Eamon Ryan, has already said that they simply do not have enough buses at the moment to increase the capacity. National Parents Council are getting involved uh, with this because they're talking particularly about children who might be immune compromised or who have a vulnerable family member and the concern that's coming with that. They say we're heading into a situation where families are going to have to make a tough decision as to whether they send their child back to school and the impact that that will have on the child and on the children's education. Now, 120,000 pupils travel to school every day on the bus. Over half of them, or under half of them, are primary school uh, children. So 68,000 of them are in secondary school. Dr Ronan Glim wouldn't be drawn on what will happen if any of the schools go into uh, lockdown. But the big issue now is getting those children to school safely, those the ones that have to travel on the bus. So what they're going to do is they're going to bring it in on a phase basis, which makes absolutely no sense to me at all. Some of the buses will be able to do the 50% occupancy, but I imagine a lot of them won't because we were already hearing from parents who whose children couldn't get a discretionary seat, which means there's no spare seats on any of the buses. So any of those buses are going to be full and it means there won't be any physical distancing going on. And then eventually the Department of Education are working on and the Department of Transport are working on getting the extra buses and once they have the extra buses, then they'll be able to do the social distancing on the bus. It really is not making any sense to me at all. And while Nefit are saying for primary school children... 
the distancing should be maintained where possible but they're not saying that it has to be done for the primary school children but they are saying it must be done for the secondary school children. So we've got Eamon Ryan saying sorry there's not enough buses but we're working on getting enough buses to increase the capacity but challenging and kind of contradicting the Minister for Transport is the Federation of Transport Operators and they represent 1,500 small to medium bus and coach operators all over the country and a director with that group a guy by the name of John Dunn I read a quote from him in the papers today he is saying that his members have thousands of buses laid up due to COVID-19 restrictions and he said all of those could be used. Boss Aaron last night confirmed that there would be a rolling implementation of measures to provide physical distancing on the post-primary services as required. It said that planning and organisation for the resumption of services was ongoing and I have to say when I spoke about this uh, was it yesterday I spoke with Deputy Padraig O'Sullivan because he was representing families who were getting letters saying that there's no concessionary seat on the bus for their sons and daughters and when we were talking about them not having enough seats on the bus as it is I mentioned this about the social distancing that needed to go on on the the buses and you know that there was there wouldn't be a hope in hell of getting enough buses and, and like he accepted that as well and the point I was making to him is schools are set to reopen next week that even if there are all of these buses, trying to organise them and get them all and the logistics of getting them all onto all of the different uh, routes, it's certainly not making any sense uh, to me at all and it's going to be a big, big nightmare for so many people. 1850-333-103 and I know I had a text in earlier and I know where it's gone because so many texts have come in uh, to the programme but I know the gist uh, of it. It was from a listener who contacted us and just wondering... Are there others in the same boat as this particular uh, mother? She is, oh here it is, I'm after finding it. She, she's a parent in West Cork and she's very, very concerned about sending her children back to school because of the rise in the number of cases. And she just is wondering, is she on her own on this one? Or are there many other parents who are out there. Now, she said she accepts that there are a lot of children out there with underlying conditions. But even, I, I can absolutely accept any parent with a child with underlying conditions is going to be very nervous. But even the wider population, how are parents feeling about their sons and daughters going back to school next week? Are they, are they in the boat that they just can't wait for the school doors to open to get their little ones in? Bearing in mind that many parents know how important it is to get their children back to school and know how their children themselves are suffering by not being in school. But then are there also parents like this mum in West Cork who's just really, really concerned and worried about the implications of COVID-19 and with numbers rising? I mean, what did we have yesterday? We had 136 cases yesterday. The majority of the cases were in Dublin. 51 were in Dublin. 24 were in Kildare. And then there was 12 new infections in Kilkenny. There was 11 in uh, Tipperary. And then I kind of got a surprise and a bit disappointed. There's seven here in Cork because we've been doing so well in Cork and I've been tracking the Cork numbers. Remember up to last Sunday, over the previous two weeks here in Cork, there had only been on average about two a day. We would 14 over a two-week period and then we'd none on Monday and I think we'd only one on Tuesday we had none on Wednesday out of the and none on Wednesday when the 190 were announced and then there was the 100 
and 36 yesterday of which seven are here in Cork. We still are very low. There still are very low figures. So there isn't a lot of it out and about in the community. But I know the real worry from the Acting Chief Medical Officer, Ronan Glynn, they're starting to see more and more cases out in the community and cases where they don't know where the outbreak started and there's just, it's all over the country. There's just outbreaks. There's small, little outbreaks, but they're distributed right across the country. And the worry is then that if people are not self-isolating and if people are spending too much time in bigger groups of people, that's why all the new restrictions came in. That Just very, very slowly, the numbers will continue to rise. So I can absolutely understand to that mum I know exactly where you're coming from I can understand uh, your concern they will you know and you're not on your own I don't think in any way don't be lying in bed thinking you're the only one who's uh, feeling that you're concerned there will be so many other people who will be in the very very same uh, position as yourself 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And joining us as we always do on a Friday to giving us some suggestions of movies you might want to watch this weekend is Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you are welcome. Now, you watch two movies for us, Project Power and another movie called Downhill. Now, Project Power is the latest one that's only been released um, this week. This this past week. Yeah, Yeah, the past week. Okay, what's this about? Um, interesting. Both films, by the way, have two directors, and we've spoken about this before. And uh, it's odd that um, when I think back to a lot of the films with two directors, they don't tend to work. And I kind of referenced this a few times in the past, and I think that's the case here because both films seem to suffer from the fact that they just they're all, they're all over the place. And you wonder would one director have uh, in each of the films would they have been any better? Uh, but this is um, called Project Power, which again. I think it's a very dull title. Every time I kind of think, what am I going to review? Uh, I can't remember the title. And I think in about a year's time, if you ask me about this film, I won't remember anything about it either because I think, you know, it's um, it's very similar to what's come before. And considering that there was a bidding war for this script for a long time in Hollywood, it's very similar. Do you remember the Bradley Cooper film a couple of years ago called Limitless? I do. I do indeed. It's a film where he took yeah. a pill yeah. and he became hugely intelligent. Yeah. Um, so this, this script, even though there was a bidding war for it and they spent a lot of money, uh, you know, the, the company who made the film, uh, it basically is not really particularly original either because basically this is about a pill that turns you into a superpower. Uh, okay. It gives you superpowers. And the, but the problem is, is that you don't know what the superpower is. You could be kind of bulletproof. Uh, you, could, um, you could become invisible or you could just explode. And many people explode uh, in this film <laughs> as well. And you don't know until you take the pill what your superpower is. Exactly. And that's, the, you know, and so that's, I think, the, the basic kind of interesting idea. But it's something they don't really explore that much. You know, for some reason, I don't know why. And I, I think if they had kind of decided, well, let's concentrate on that. Let's concentrate on the fear about, you know, what could possibly happen if you take this pill. They don't. Some people just take it. They either explode or they don't. And because of that, it's kind of, you think, oh, that's a bit, that's, that's a bit 
bit of a shame. And it's just basically then turns into a kind of an action movie. Uh, so basically, this company is uh, producing this pill. The reason why they're doing it is that they want to sell it to the South American drug cartel so that they will have power uh, over most of South, uh, South America. So what they decide to do is, but they're not really quite sure how it's going to work as yet. So they flood basically New Orleans with it and basically use people as guinea pigs just to kind of see, you know, and uh, how it goes. And so the city is being overrun basically by, by criminals who have this drug. And so therefore the cops are finding it very difficult to kind of control the city. And that's when we meet uh, Dawson Gordon-Levitt, who is a cop again. And uh, he teams up with a kind of a local teenage kind of uh, drug dealer uh, to try and find out who is flooding New Orleans uh, with this drug. They then in turn meet Jamie Foxx. Now, Jamie Foxx, too, has had um, a history with this company. And they have, at one stage, uh, kidnapped his daughter. Now, they could have just killed him and killed his daughter, but for some reason they decided to keep him alive and kidnap his daughter. And you kind of think, well, why would, why would you do that? And you're constantly questioning yourself watching the film. And that's a shame because you're thinking the whole way through this film, you're going, why would they, why would they do that? Why didn't they just do this? And that's part of it because the script is just really, really so silly. It is all over the place. And I do wonder about the two director, um, you know, uh, double header here because some of the action sequences are really good and very, very well directed. And some of them are terrible. And and I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. And some of the editing is really, really bad as well. And I just don't really understand it because they, it's almost like the editor goes, OK, we cut out some of the violence, but we leave some of the violence in. It's a 50 insert, but it's almost like sometimes it's got kind of PG editing, which is very weird and very odd. And it's something I really, really don't kind of understand. And... Um, and it's a pity. And it's the same with the action sequences. Sometimes you can't see what's going on because it's so badly edited. And you're trying to figure out who is who. It's a very, very odd mess of a film. And it's a terrible shame because so much of it is very, very good and entertaining. And the, the three leads are very good, as they always are. Jenny Fox is always worth watching. But they have this very silly script. And on occasions you have these very weird kind of um, inserts of, of humor, which are completely... Uh, out of kilter with the whole film and it just simply doesn't work and it's weird and you think well why why would you laugh at that moment you know what I mean and so it's a very very frustrating film and it's a, it's a shame because so much of it is pretty good but so much of it is so terrible yeah and I wonder really I think you're right I wonder how much of it is down to that the two handed uh, the two handed directors I, I wonder yeah. because, you know, they have to surely have disagreements. Absolutely. Surely, they're Absolutely. Not, surely they don't agree on everything. And because of that, because you've got two completely contrasting opinions sometimes, surely, or they know each other very well and decide, OK, we know what we want to put on screen. But there has to be arguments. There has to be disagreements. And so, and it looks that way on screen. And it's the same with uh, Downhill, which I'm going to review in a Yeah, it's now. almost like trying to mesh two movies uh, together. Just it, it, Like, it just can't work. OK, so Project Power, mark that out of 10. I'll give it five. Five out of ten, okay, and that's yeah. just a new release. Now, Downhill, you're saying, is is the very same. This also has two directors. This yeah, is a comedy, the comedy drama. Okay, well, this is the thing. Um, when you look at the, 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 the cast, you look at uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, you look at Will Ferrell, you go, oh, this is going to be really funny. This is going to be interesting. And I remember seeing the trailer when it came out, and I remember thinking, what is this? This isn't a comedy. Why, why would you get two brilliant comedy actors and put them in something that isn't really a comedy but has kind of comedic elements? It, 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 and, and I was confused by the trailer at that time. And I was even more confused having watched the film because it suffers, I think, from the exact same problems that Project Power does in the sense that it's just all over the place. It's just weird. It's, um, it's, it, it, it's, it's a remake of um, a Swedish film called uh, uh, Force Majeure, which was only out about five years ago and won a big, big um, award at Cannes. And 
So for a lot of the people, and if you read a lot of the reviews from people, they do reference the first film. Now, I didn't see Force Majeure, so I've come to this fresh. Okay. But even I was really, really confused by it. I was confused by, you know, why would you put two great comedy actors in a film, which isn't really that comedic, but on occasions is. As apparently the first film was really dark and deep and melancholy, and when the humour did happen in the film, it was really dark and weird and, and really, really uncomfortable. Here it's almost like, again, it's a kind of a Hollywood remake of a kind of a European film where they go... Oh, well, we've got to lighten it up. It's got to be bright and it's got to be cheery. And in amongst, you know, some really, really devastating scenes of a breakup of, of, of a relationship. And at times, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is so good. It's heartbreaking to watch. They will then intercut that with a very, very silly piece of comedy, and which just doesn't work. And in fact, at one stage, Julia is, has one scene in the film where she is absolutely terrific and it is absolutely hilarious. But it's in the wrong place. It's in the wrong film. And and you wonder who is responsible for that. I mean, is it the makers when they go to the film? Because obviously what they wanted to do is they wanted to make it a, a kind of a serious look at the relationship like the original film. But Hollywood said, no, it has to be almost like a rom-com. And that's what it kind of turns out to be, intercut with really kind of dark kind of themes. And so you're confused the whole time. And it's a terrible shame, I think. Um, and that's, but, but it tends to be the, the, the tradition. There's a history of Hollywood doing that. Uh, you know, when they come to remake kind of very, very well-known and very well-regarded kind of European films. And I, and I think it's it, it's, a, it's a terrible shame. And the general storyline, it's focusing on this couple trying to almost reevaluate their lives. Is that the general well, storyline? Well, obviously, there are cracks in the relationship and they decide to go to Switzerland uh, on a skiing holiday with their two boys. Okay. Once they're there, constantly in the background, you hear these little kind of explosions and basically what they're doing is that these are controlled avalanches to make the piece kind of safer for skis, yeah. for skiers. And almost the morning after they're there, um, one of these controlled avalanches go off and it comes towards them. Now, it is completely safe. I mean, they are covered in snow, but it's basically like a kind of the powder rather than the actual snow itself. But it's a very, very scary experience. And basically what happens is Will Ferrell takes off. He grabs his phone and runs. And um, his excuse afterwards was, look, um, the reason why I ran was so I could dig you out of the snow. But Julia Louis-Dreyfus has a completely different opinion of that. She said, you left you left and me. you ran. And, and the so kids. <laughs> and the kids. And of course, yeah. it affects her relationship with him and it affects the, the kids' relationship with him as, as well. And, and that's where the cracks begin. In other words, their relationship goes downhill. And so it's basically... And, but the thing is that the film never really kind of constructs a way in which they then kind of... Their regard for each other kind of improves. It just... It's just a film of constant kind of fighting, a constant kind of silly kind of comedy. And then you have very, very long conversations, scenes that go on way too long. Again, I don't know, is that because of the directors as well? And did they have disputes on whether or not some scenes should be longer than others? And it's a very, very uncomfortable watch, which again is a shame. Will Ferrell was criticised. I thought he was pretty good because everybody waited for Will Ferrell to do his kind of comedy shtick. I thought he was good. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is fabulous in everything she does in the yeah. film. But then she always is. She's great. And I would recommend people, if you want to watch it, watch it for her. Okay, so mark it out of 10. I'll give that a five as well. Five and the five is for her. Okay, listen, have a lovely week and we'll talk to you next you week. Thanks a million. That is Mark Bye-bye. Malone, our movie review reviewer. That last movie called Downhill and the first was called Project Power. Just a quick look at some final texts coming into the programme. And when we were talking about the numbers and the fact that seven tested positive in Cork yesterday, yet again, a text saying, I wish we were told the area in Cork that had the positive cases of COVID-19, then at least we could do our own isolating and know to avoid a particular area. 
as so many people want that information as well. Jim says, Patricia, any update on the cases in the APB meat plant in care? I don't specifically have an update uh, from that meat plant in care, Jim, except to say that I noted with interest yesterday that there was 11 new infections in Tipperary. So I'm, can we assume that some of them are from that meat plant uh, in uh, care? But I didn't hear for sure that, that it was, but that will be no coincidence that there was an outbreak there and suddenly then there was a, a spike in figures in Tipperary. Hi, Patricia, this is going back to school. My granddaughter goes to secondary school on the school bus. She says on her school bus, which is one of the larger buses, they have to sit three to a seat as it is. It's so overcrowded. So if it's 50% of seat capacity or 50% of children on the bus in the case of social distancing, that is not going to be possible. Well, that will mean in order to adhere to social distancing, they'll have to put three buses on just on that one route where the sister's granddaughter goes. David says this is on the worry about going back to school. Please don't forget, people, that the first case in Ireland was found in a school. The worst is yet to come, I reckon, says uh, David. And someone else says this is on people being concerned about the schools reopening. Why can't the children sanitise, wear masks and stop all this nonsense? We are going OTT. Teachers, parents and children, cop on. No need for all this fuss, says this listener. Sanitise, wear your mask, wash your hands on entering school and on leaving. Stop the daftness, says a texter to 0862 103 103. Uh, Margaret is identifying with poor old Sheila who lost everything in her freezer and got onto the insurance company. And they said, oh yeah, you've got freezer insurance. She said she wouldn't fleece them. She wasn't going to make out that there was, you know, thousands of euro worth of food in the freezer. So she looked for 150 euro, which they said, yeah, we'll pay you. The downside is you're going to have to your premium is going to go up by 100 euro next uh, year Margaret said I did something similar a couple of years ago and yes my insurance went up by over 100 euro bad news is I hate to pass this on to Sheila but it remained high for the next five years Margaret said it actually made me question why I made the claim in the first place isn't that just dreadful that really is uh, awful and John says why can't they open up some of the community halls and put children into community halls and use them as uh, classrooms. Well actually they are. That was something we discussed yesterday on the programme and we discovered from some community halls that's exactly what they're doing in order to allow children to socially uh, distance. Okay that's where I have to leave you for uh, today and for this week. I'm on a couple of weeks holidays. I'll be staycationing for the next uh, two weeks. So I'll be talking to you again in September. So John Paul will be sitting in for me for the next uh, two weeks backed up by Bernie and uh, by uh, Sadie. Thanks to Bernie and Thanks to Sadie and to John Paul. Talk to you in a couple of weeks' time. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary. Not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 